Please keep your Bibles turned to Hebrews 7. We'll be looking at several verses there. I have a question for you this morning. Are you growing in Jesus? Can you honestly say that you are a stronger Christian today than you were a year ago? Or maybe even a month ago? Are you pressing on to spiritual maturity? Spiritual maturity requires a daily walk with Jesus. Are you walking with the Lord? Can people see Jesus in your life? Can they see the difference that the Lord makes in your life? How do you stand with God? About 25 years ago, a preacher moved to Texas to uh, start a new work. And for the very first time, he attended a, a Texas district fair. And at that district fair, there was something that he automatically was interested in. Because he'd always wanted to do it. I'm talking about a mechanical bull. He wanted to ride a mechanical bull. Now, he walks up to the operator of this ride. He says, uh, I'd like to ride your bull. The operator looked at him, and he's middle-aged. This preacher is, um, well, he's out of shape. And the operator said, are you sure you want to do this? That was a challenge to that preacher. He said, you better believe I'm sure. I want to do it right now. Operator said, okay. So they proceeded to uh, go over to the bull, and he got him on the bull. And the operator said, now, this particular model has 12 levels of difficulty, going from the easiest being one up to the hardest being 12. Now, the secret is to uh, stay centered on the bull. Uh, shift your uh, center of gravity as the bull moves and kind of go with the bull, flow with him. And then if you do that, you will be able to ride the bull. Preacher nodded. So the guy started it up. And, and at first it started slow, but in a few moments it was going pretty fast. And, and that bull was bucking and that preacher, he was moving to the right and he was moving to the left and he was going up, he was going down. And somehow in some way, he stayed on. Well, as the bull came to a stop, that preacher was so proud of himself, you know. He looked over that operator and said, well, it wasn't very pretty, but I made it. To which the operator said, great, that's level one. You know, sometimes, sometimes, some people are not as good as they think they are. How is your spiritual walk? Is it as good as you think it is? Could you use a shot of spiritual maturity? And more importantly, how do we go on to spiritual maturity? How do we attain that? How do we become a, a better person? This is what the writer of Hebrews has been doing ever since chapter 6, verse 1. Talking about how we attain spiritual maturity. 
Let's go back to verse 18 of chapter 7. For on the one hand, a former commandment, he's referring to the Old Testament, is set aside because of its weakness and, and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. Have you ever looked at the old law? Well, for example, just look at the book of Leviticus. Can you imagine, can you imagine trying to keep all of those laws perfectly? That's the reason why only one person ever lived by the Old Testament law a perfect life. And that was Jesus himself. You see, it's not humanly possible for us to keep all of those do's and don'ts. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope. He's now talking about the gospel, the new law. A better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Spiritual maturity is a mark of a person who's living near to God. How close are you to God? If you want to achieve spiritual maturity, you can't rely on an empty rituals. You can't rely on a list of do's and don'ts. Don't trust in a list of do's and don'ts. Trust Jesus and obey Jesus because only He can save. Benjamin Franklin, very early in his life, he wanted to better himself. He identified 13 areas, 13 qualities that he wanted to improve in. For example, he wanted to improve in the quality, he called it, the quality of silence. To speak not but what benefits others or yourself. To avoid trifling conversations. He wanted to improve in the area of being frugal. Make no expense but to do good to others or yourself. That is waste nothing. He wanted to improve in working hard. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off unnecessary actions. And what Benjamin Franklin did is he said, I'm going to work on one of these qualities each week. And after 13 weeks, I will have worked on all 13 of them. Then I'll repeat it. In other words, he would do it four times a year, each quality. As the decades went by, Benjamin Franklin could honestly say that he was improving in these 13 qualities, but had developed a new problem in his life. He was struggling with pride. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome pride, I would probably end up being proud of my humility. Trying to live by a set of rules never made anybody a better person. So don't live your life that way. Instead, depend on Christ who alone has the power to bring you close to God. And that's, my friend, is spiritual maturity. 
as it says there, Jesus provides a better hope. His law is a better law, a better hope. Trying to keep a list of do's and don'ts will actually end up keeping you away from God. Because when you violate a rule, the guilt will separate you from God. Growing up, I was always very close to my mother. And I loved to be around my mom. But not during those times that I had, what? Disobeyed her. That I had violated a house rule. When I did that, when I disobeyed her, I, I tried to be as far away from her as possible. Because I knew that just that one look, if she just looked at me, and I could see the disappointment in her eyes, I would just melt. I couldn't handle it. The same way with God. God wants us to be up close and personal with Him. That is only possible through the new law. Trusting Jesus, obeying Jesus gets you closer to God. It draws you near to God. Verse 20, and it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. How did the Old Testament priest become a priest? It was only because of birth. They were in the family tree. It was their right because of their family tree to become a priest. But not our Jesus. Jesus became a priest because, why? Because he's the perfect priest. Verse 22. This makes Jesus the guarantor. He guarantees it. The guarantor of a better covenant. There's two ways to try to get to heaven. You can try to earn it by your merits, but friends, you will fail. You cannot earn it. Or you can trust and obey Jesus. Jesus said, John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. A dad surprised his son on his birthday with a trip to the county fair. And he said, you can invite six of your friends to come along with you. So the dad, when he got to the county fair, he bought one of those big rolls of tickets and what the dad would do is the dad would stand by the entrance to each ride and the boy would, the little boy would hold out his hand and he would, you know, count off seven tickets and he would put a ticket into the hand of each one of those seven boys. And that continued through the whole day until they got to the Ferris wheel. When they got to the Ferris wheel, suddenly there was an eighth boy there. There's an additional boy. The father said, well, who are you? 
little boy said, I'm Johnny and your son, uh, I'm your son's new friend. And he said that you would let me ride a ride. <laughs> what do you think that dad did? He gave him a ticket. Why? Because Johnny had come to the father through the son. You see, we today, we come to God through his son. It's through his son. Or to put it another way, Jesus is the guarantor. He guarantees our relationship with God. Do you want to know what's contained in God's last will and testament? This better covenant that is mentioned here in verse 22. Go over to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Not this old covenant, but a, a new covenant. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It won't be like, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Now, that covenant was given to the people through Moses. And even part of, the, of that covenant was even written on stone by the very finger of God. Written on stone. Verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law where? Within them. My law is going to be within them. And, and I will write it where? Not on a stone. I'll write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and, and, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, their sins, and I will remember their sin no more. The new covenant. The new covenant is a covenant which guarantees the forgiveness of sins. Before it was just a rollover. A one-year forgiveness. Now we have the permanent forgiveness of sin. We have a personal relationship with God. Before, we had to go through a human high priest. Now, we're up close and personal with God. And God's law, before it was written on stone, now it's written on our hearts. To me, it's amazing when you consider that this little bird, what he does. Every year, the Arctic tern, about August, will leave its home around the Arctic Circle. That's the northern part of our globe. He will take a trip that's going to end up covering 11,000 miles round trip. He goes all the way to Antarctica, the southern point of our globe, he spends the winter there and then makes that journey back to the Arctic Circle. Why does he do that? Did some Congress pass a law that said you have to do that? No. 
Is some person forcing it to, to do that? Some human? No. God placed that within the instinct of that bird to do that. It is its instinctive nature to make that journey every year in the same way, in the same way God wants His new law to be instinctive within you. He wants it to be an internal desire that drives you to full and complete righteousness, a driving force that moves you to full maturity. You know, that doesn't come from a set of rules. It comes from a relationship. I, I probably will not surprise you when I tell you that in high school, I was a member of the Future Farmers of America, FFA. And in the FFA, actually, I was on a team, the Parliamentary Procedure Team. And we would go to uh, competitions. Now, on that team, <clears throat> on that team, I was the secretary. But more importantly, I was the guy given the task to know a little book called Roger's Rules of Order. And I read that book dozens and dozens and dozens of times. At district, we easily won, took first place. We went to state. We should have went to national. We were clearly the best team. We didn't go to national. You know why? Because one of my teammates made a fatal mistake in the rules of order. And I quickly tried to correct it, and I did my best to, to cover it up, to correct it, but it was too late. And the judges penalized us for that. Why do we make a mistake? Because can you imagine trying to do everything that little book said to do? All those little tiny rules and regulations... Spiritual maturity only comes from a living and vital relationship with Jesus, our Lord. He is the guarantor of a better covenant, the one who ensures that every believer is forgiven upon obedience. He was the one who helps us to get close to God and to grow full and complete maturity. Paul said it like this, Philippians 1 and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. No list of do's and don'ts could do that for you. Only Jesus, only Jesus. So depend on him. If you want spiritual maturity, depend on Christ who has the power to save you completely. Verse 23 of Hebrews 7. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. You had to constantly be replacing them because they would die off. But he who hoes his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save you. How? To the utmost, completely. 
Those who, those who draw near to God, draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to do what? To make intercession for you. Jesus, your permanent high priest, makes intercession for you and for me. You know, I'm encouraged when people say they're going to pray for me. I love that. Uh, James 5, 16, uh, the uh, effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I love it when people say they're praying for me. Consider this. Jesus is stepping up for you every day. Jesus is going to bat for you every day. He is making intercessions for you every day. Do you want spiritual maturity? To achieve spiritual maturity, depend on Christ, your powerful priest. He's powerful. He has all authority, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He can do what no human can do. Depend on Him. To achieve spiritual maturity, depend on Christ, your perfect priest. Rely on Him. He's sinless. He's faultless. He's perfect. Verse 26. For it was indeed fitting, in other words, it was right, that we should have such a high priest. It just makes sense. A high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, and exalted, exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those human high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For as the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, the word of God, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus, Jesus is that perfect, that perfect high priest. You can depend on him. You, you can depend on him. He doesn't have sin. He has no need to offer a daily sacrifice because he had no sins. And by the way, under the old law, that forgiveness wasn't really true forgiveness. It was just postponement. Jesus offers true forgiveness. He offered himself as the perfect permanent sacrifice which once for all took care of all sin for all time. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become, what? The righteousness of God. The Old Testament priest... They would not touch things unclean. Why? Because it would make them ceremonially unclean. They made sure that they stayed away from things that were unclean. Jesus, though, Jesus makes, Jesus makes the unclean holy. 
That's you and me. We're unclean. But through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, we become holy. If you genuinely want to become a better person, if you want to work toward spiritual maturity, don't depend on a list of do's and don'ts. Depend on Christ, your powerful and perfect high priest. But it starts with you. Spiritual maturity starts with you. You is right there in the middle. So will you do it? Will you work to become all that you can be? Will you try to be what God wants you to be? Will you work toward spiritual maturity? How about it this morning? Are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to make that commitment? Jesus, uh, Jesus spoke to us. He said to believe in him, John 8, 24, to repent, Luke 13, 3, to confess, Matthew 10, 32, and to be baptized, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. In just a moment, I'm going to have an elder down here. I'm going to have Billy down here with me. And we are going to be praying that you will take that step. Just like one person did last Sunday. And become a Christian. Now most of us here are Christians. But are you living a life that reflects Jesus to people around you? Can people see the difference that Jesus makes in, in your life? Do you need to seek his forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. We would love to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. This morning, if there's anything we can do for you, we pray that we can and will do it for you. We pray that you will make that decision today as we stand and sing for your encouragement. There's a stranger
Worship with us. Number six, six hundred and seventy-nine. Tis so sweet. 